Building your business was hard. Getting out of it on your terms can be even harder. Welcome to the Tobin Leff M&A Podcast, where you can rewrite the next chapter of your life with the help of business owners who have been in your shoes. In the past decade, Tobin Leff has completed over 125 successful merger and acquisition and exit planning engagements across the U.S. with a focus on marketing, advertising, PR, and digital firms. Go online to TobinLeff.com to learn about the latest in business so that you can build and monetize your company value. Join us now for today's conversation. Welcome. Hi, this is David Tobin from Tobin Left. I am thrilled today to be joined by Nick Berger, a partner in ZS Fund, a private equity group that specializes in working with middle market companies. During the third quarter of this year, one of our clients, Communicus, was acquired by Phoenix International Marketing that is a portfolio company of ZS Fund. Nick was the managing partner who oversaw that acquisition and supports Phoenix Marketing. So he agreed to join us today to share his experiences, his perspective on how PE groups assess and value marketing services firms. Nick, can you tell our audience a little bit about you and your background, please? Absolutely. Uh, well, David, first of all, thanks for having me on this. Enjoy having this conversation. Um, I, I've been at, uh, at ZS for the last 20 years. Um, you know, ZS, the firm's been around since 1985. And since that time, we've focused on investing in entrepreneur-owned companies. Um, we like to invest in successful businesses where the entrepreneurs are you know, excited to continue staying actively involved in the company. And so we typically, with platforms, do recapitalization transactions where the existing owners continue to own a significant stake going forward, and they become our partners going going forward. Um, before DS, I was uh, an investment banker at Merrill Lynch, um, and before that, I, I graduated from Yale. Great. Nick, I'm going to put you on the spot today because I know our listeners would love to have some insights from the seat of the private equity partner. Some of the questions I'm going to ask, how did you identify the opportunity with Phoenix? What did you like about them? How do you and your management team, how do you interact with the operations teams at your platform companies? How you value opportunities, typical deal structures, and then advice that you might have for our listeners. So to back up to my first question, so. You have a controlling stake in a firm, Phoenix Marketing International, a global market research firm. How did you identify that opportunity? Um, we were um, introduced to Phoenix by by a guy named Sandy Schwartz, who was um, an executive at a former former portfolio company, uh, MarketFacts. Um, MarketFacts was a, a market research business that was based in Chicago. Um, we had a very successful um, Situation there, we regrew it. We grew that one via the acquisition. We ultimately sold it to a, a marketing service company called Aegis, which then um, then renamed itself Finovate, and then that was ultimately bought by Ipsos um, uh, a while ago. Um, and so Sandy um, had identified Phoenix as a you know after he left uh, Marketbacks as an opportunity um, for us to kind of redo what we did um, with Marketbacks in, in the case of Phoenix. Great. 
So when the opportunity was presented to you, what did you like about it? Why did you choose to make the investment? Sure. So one, we'd had success historically uh, in the market research business. Um, and so we kind of knew what the playbook was and, and we liked the nature of the business. Generally at ZS, we like to invest in businesses that have a high return on tangible capital. And we like to partner with entrepreneurs and owners who want to maintain a significant equity stake and stay actively involved. Um, the two owners of Phoenix, you know, wanted to, you know, they were young, they wanted to continue to stay actively involved. They'd actually grown businesses historically via acquisition. And so they had, you know, the, the capability to really scale Phoenix. Um, and so we thought it was a great platform um, in order to be able to, to, to grow, grow the business and, and both organically and, and via acquisition. Good, good. So you were talking about, Nick, supporting management with your resources and, and, and capital. Through my travel, some owners of marketing services firms, when we've discussed approaching private equity groups or family offices, they were concerned or skeptical that it would all be just about the financial metrics and there might be synergistic savings. You and I spoke earlier, when, when you look to invest in a marketing services firm, how do you approach it? You're supporting the management. You're not necessarily looking for cost reductions. No, with, with, you know, with marketing services businesses, um, you know, it's an industry which where the people are incredibly important, you know, you know, the people drive success. And so from our perspective, um, you know, when we invest in a company, we like to see continuity. And so we like to see that, you know, the employees, the managers who were there before, continue after we're there and, and, you know, far off into the future. And so we're only investing in successful businesses and, you know, what makes marketing services businesses successful are the people. And so, um, you know, we want that to continue on. You sometimes assess what the industry might call a platform opportunity compared to an add-on or a bolt-on. Can you just briefly describe the differences between platforms and add-ons? Sure. So, um, you know, t typically it has to do with the scale, the scale of the business for a platform. So with a platform business, we're looking for a company that has typically has five to $30 million of, of EBITDA. And so, you know, we want a business that, uh, you know, has the infrastructure or can, you know, with, with the proper type of investment, you know, develop the infrastructure to be able to handle um, the acquisition of other businesses. Um, and so, um, you know, it typically has to do with size and scalability. Um, for platforms, they're typically, call it businesses that, uh, sorry, for add-ons, they're typically businesses that might have, you know, 5 to 10 to $15 million of revenue, um, which could integrate well in, might, which might have a specific product, a specific niche that, that, that goes in well with, the, with our existing business. So it could either expand us, um, you know, in, in the market research space, you know, expand us typically product-wise, um, or allow us to get into a, a group of clients who we may not be as, as strong with. Great, great. So when you're assessing opportunities, whether they're platforms or, or add-ons, what are some of the primary qualities, criteria that you look for? Certainly it's around growth and profitability, but what, what, what else are you looking for? So for us, what we like, you know, we, we're investing in, in people businesses. So we like great, great management teams, we like a management team that we think can, can, you know, accelerate the growth if we provide them with the resources that they, they can help. That's really more on the platform side. 
you know, on the add-on side, we typically like to, you know, we, we understand that people have different goals and objectives. Um, and so with a platform business, we'd be more apt to, to have a situation where someone might want to retire or slow down um, and take over that, that business. But there's also situations where there's an add-on where the existing owners, um, you know, want to continue to stay actively involved. And so there's flexibility with regards to what the goals and objectives are are there. Um, in terms of the other criteria for businesses, we like, you know, I mentioned this before, we like businesses that have a high return on tangible capital. And so what that means for us is we like businesses that generate a lot of free cash cash flow. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, um, you know, in terms of all the businesses that we like, we like businesses that have a strong market position. So that could be a strong market position in a bigger industry, or it could be a strong market position in a big, in a specific niche. Um, but we're really looking for situations where um, the company has some, you know, within its given niche, it has some some specific capability that distinguishes it relative to its competitors. Great. So certainly when you value companies, I, I assume most of the offers you put forth are based on some multiple of EBITDA or net income. Is that typically the case? So in terms of valuing it, you know, it's, it's a it's a difficult thing to come up with a specific formula um, for how we go about valuing a business. Um, so there really isn't a specific formula. What we typically do is we look at a business, um, we speak with the management team, we try to understand what the future holds. Um, and so, you know, that could be both organically on their own or if they're coming in as an add-on acquisition, what we what we think we could bring to the table or collectively bring to the table. Um, and so, you know, there's conversations um, that we need to have to understand the best of our ability, what the future might hold. And so what we then do is once we have make our best guess as what the future will hold, um, we put together a model and, and look at the, you know, what the performance will be under that, under that situation and the capital structure that we put in there. And so we're looking for sort of appropriate risk adjusted returns, um, given the nature of the business and what we think the future holds. So I don't really have a, every business is different in every multiple. So there's no, there's no sort of um, specific way that we look at, at valuing a company. So elements of deal structures, to your point that you evaluate each opportunity case by case, what are some of the common deal terms, deal elements, maybe touch on what rollover equity is and other elements of sure. deals put together? Right. So, so for us, you know, when we're, we're investing in a platform, it's very important for the existing managers and entrepreneurs to be aligned with us. So um, it's very important for us for the, you know, the sellers in a platform situation to continue to own a significant stake going forward because that allows, you know, them to be aligned with us in terms of our goals, goals and objectives. And so, you know, that's a very important thing. Um, you know, similarly in situations where it might be, an add-on acquisition where there's a gap um, in terms of what they think the future holds versus what we might think the future holds. You know, sometimes there are, um, you know, contingent aspects of the consideration, um, which kind of help bridge the gap. Um, and if the business performs well, you know, it's a win-win. It's a win-win for for everyone in terms of participating in the future. So we do like to have either through equity or through some contingent, you know, have people's interest aligned with regards to the future success of the business. Um, in terms of, you know, in, in our transactions, we typically do put it, um, you know, some amount of debt 
on the company. And so we like to put an amount of leverage on the company that provides the company going forward with flexibility to operate, you know, under various conditions. So we understand sometimes there are economic downturns. So when we do put leverage on the company, we want to make sure we're not over leveraging the company so that if things do get tough within the industry, they have the ability to sort of survive um, and continue um, and manage through what might be a, a you know an economic downturn. Um, but it is important to us to have some amount of leverage because it provides for a better return on equity. Perfect, perfect. Nick, for owners who believe their companies have the proper value proposition and size to to look to partner with a private equity group or a family office, what would be advice that you would give them on how to approach it and how to find the right partner? So, you know, at the end of the day, you want to make sure that you feel good about your private equity partner. Um, you, know, you want to make sure that they share the same vision and that you trust and respect them from both a personal and a professional standpoint. So, you know, it's, it's really important up front to make sure you're aligned with regards to, you know, what the future vision is for the company, but also um, that you trust them. Um, you know, it's a bit, you know, we have people throwing this line. I'm sure you've heard this, you know, it's a bit like a marriage when you get partnered with, you know, entrepreneurs partners with a, a private equity firm. And, you know, over the course of an investment, you know, there's bound to be some disagreements over, you know, what you should do. Not, you know, some, sometimes they're major, sometimes they're minor. Um, but in order to get the, get through those things, you know, it is important that you trust and respect your partner. Um, you know, the private equity group, to a certain extent, is going to be the steward of the business you've built. So before you partner with them, you need to ask yourself, do I trust this group to be responsible for the business that I've built? Um, and so, you know, that's, that's something, you know, you don't want to short change yourself in terms of time spent with these guys, getting to know them both on a personal and professional level and make sure you, you trust them. Um, and, you know, as you spend more and more time, I think you'll get a, a certain level of comfort as to how people act and behave. Um, and I think, you know, from the other standpoint, it's, you know, you're just going to be spending a lot of time with these people. So it's also important to, to develop a relationship from a personal standpoint. It's, yes. it's much more fun for everyone if you develop a personal relationship and ultimately become friends, because um, that also helps you, helps you get, get through things. Great. Well, Nick, very helpful. If owners are at a stage, I, I assume at the level where you look to make investments, the the operating companies are typically brought to you by some type of intermediary. It's not owners knocking on your door directly, or do sometimes owners come to you directly? Owners will sometimes come to us directly, or you know, we do we do work with some interme intermediaries who will go off. You know, we'll, we'll ask for them to look at businesses in, in certain certain specific sectors that we're looking for. Um, you know, so so it does. We do we do see uh, see opportunities for sort of intermediaries and also directly. Well, Nick, thanks again for sharing your experience and insights with our listeners. We so appreciate it, and look forward to our next discussion. Bye bye. Thanks. thanks, David. You're welcome. Thanks for listening to the Tobin Leff M and A podcast, produced by Hannah Vaughn with music by Holt Vaughn. Visit our website at tobinleff.com for case studies, additional resources, and to get in touch with our experts. Subscribe today and never miss an episode.